All right, just as I'm getting sorted out. It was funny as we were worshipping, God said something to me and that was that uh, whoever passes you the water or whoever gives you the water, there's a word for him. And I thought, I've got no water there, you see. And then suddenly Greg said to me, oh, you know, have you got some water? And I thought, yes, but then he passed it to Mark and Mark was the one that passed it to me. (laughs) Mark didn't realise, but Mark... I just sensed in my spirit that God was saying, just as you have refreshed families, and you are, you're a f- one incredible family that have refreshed families, but God was going to refresh you. And the living water that, well, I was just handed normal water, but God was going to give you living water to experience him for yourself. And uh, I mean, I had no idea who this person was, but I just know in my spirit that God is going to refresh you in a new way this year that you've never encountered before. And the way that you refresh families is going to be at a new level because there's going to be living water coming from you. Amen? Amen. Take hold of that. <laughs> it's funny how God gives you things at the last minute and you think, where, who, who's it going to be? <laughs> but I also sense too that um, God is going to give you guys a backbone that you haven't had before. That it's like I saw you as you were playing, you know, as we were praying for you. It was like this metal thing going right up your your spine, and it was like God that was going to be your backbone. And you know, He's going to lead you on a journey to be able to go into places that you never thought possible. And I'm not talking about physical places; I'm talking about spiritual places. There's a new journey for you ahead, and it's not the same as what you had before. It's not the same as what's already been passed. You're going to add to it. You're going to new, cut new paths. But God's going to be your backbone to strengthen you as a couple. Because when uh, the, there are going to be fiery darts. There are going to be times where it's going to be tough. But God is going to be the one that will give you that backbone. Amen? Amen. Well, let's um, open the word tonight. I really encourage you to, to, today to... If you, how many were here this morning? There's only a handful of hands that went up, but boy, this morning was absolutely incredible. And I really encourage you to get the sermon that was preached by by Greg because there was something very, very explosive in the atmosphere this morning. It was like, it was something different about it. It was like people were sitting on the edge of their seats and you could actually feel something in the atmosphere where people were really listening. They were on the edge of their seats and their hearts were beginning to open. And it was a really key, powerful word. And I really pray that you would listen to it and listen to it and listen to it because there was something really, really powerful in in it. Don't take my word for it. Listen for it. Listen to it. Receive it. Well, tonight I'm going to be speaking about perceiving the season ahead. You know... The seasons used to be very clear cut. I mean, at one stage, rugby was played in the winter and, and cricket was played in the summer. And, and I used to really, really enjoy the days. I know, I know it's terrible for some fans, but when the rugby posts came down, it used to be, yes, because I knew that they'd be laying out those cricket pitches. And I, I love cricket. <laughs> I remember when Sandra and I first got married and we, we, somebody gave us this TV or we had this TV and Sandra said, we've got to be very, very careful that we don't spend all the whole lot of time in the box. So I reckon we ought to watch one program a, a, a day or something or other and limit it to that. I thought, that's okay. 
I'll watch the cricket. <laughs> she didn't think that was very fair. <laughs> but now, of course, rugby's played what? Ten months of the year. You get games being played this time and that time. It's all over the place. And you think, uh, you know, it's very hard to discern. The, the, the definement's gone out of it, if you like. And even the weather patterns are all over the show, aren't they? I mean, some of the plants, they don't know whether to poke their heads up from underneath the ground or not, whether to burst into flower or fruit or what. You know, sometimes they do and sometimes winter comes back in. They just don't know. You've got lambs being born all over the place too. (laughs) It's a different season. And so it is in the natural and so it is with the spiritual. You know, things are not clear cut sometimes. And we have to learn to be able to discern what God is doing and the season that we're walking in. Because sometimes it's very difficult to actually discern what is going on. And if we don't understand it, sometimes life can be pretty rough and we can be chucked here and there in the storms of life and we can be thinking, God, what's going on here? And then what we do is we take our reference points by how we feel or by what this person said or by what that person said instead of what is God saying? And when you begin to perceive the season that you're in or what God is leading you through, suddenly things begin to make sense, no matter how bad the storm is. Because you know there's a greater purpose at the other end. The seasons are all over the place and we can struggle otherwise. We need to learn to come into sync with what God is doing. Man, I used to get tossed to and fro too and I used to take my references by how I feel. But God had to deal with that in me. It's not by how I feel. It's by what God has said to me. And so I've had to learn, how do I find what is God and is doing at this time? How do I walk in sync with him rather than doing my own thing? You know, in Matthew 9, um, 14 to 17, the disciples of John approached Jesus and asked him this question. Why do we and and the Pharisees fast often But your disciples do not fast. But Jesus answered and said, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the day will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Now it's not about, is fasting right or wrong? It's nothing about that at all, but it's discerning the decision in which they were in. And these guys had missed or didn't realise that the bridegroom was standing right in front of them when they said it. So it's actually discerning what God is saying at the time and coming in with that. Unless we understand in our spirit man that we're on a new journey and that everything is new before us, we will just treat the year like, oh, well, this is just another year. Who wants just to walk through another year? I don't. The journey that we've started in this place has been amazing. But I just don't want to stop at that, where we came to at the end of last year. I want to journey on, because that's where God is leading us. You know, Joshua said to the people just before they transitioned into the promised land, we've never been this way before. Can I say here tonight, we haven't been this way before. Otherwise we come with, oh, well, we've done this before, you know, we'll, you know. And I've met people with that. It's not, it's a new, fresh season that we're walking into. 
We have to understand that the kingdom of God is advancing, not retreating, nor is it standing still. And Dr. Noel Woodroff said something very interesting. He said, we're on a moving platform chasing a moving target. My, uh, my grandmother, her brother was a, uh, a pilot in the uh, First World War, in the Royal Flying Corps. And, uh, you know, it's like that. It's the only way I could picture it. You know, you've got the plane flying in front of you, but you're chasing it from behind. Now, we're not actually shooting at God, okay? so I'm not trying to get that perspective. But you get the idea. We're not on a stationary platform and seeing God move past, waving goodbye. We're actually moving with him, and where he goes, we move with him. I don't know whether you've seen those dog fights. He actually got shot down twice, but he survived. In those days, you didn't have parachutes. You either jumped out of your plane or, or whatever. But unfortunately he died from the effects of it later on. But uh, you see, I had a problem where I like things done a particular way. I like things, the familiarity of doing things the same old way. How many people like that? We like the routines. We like those things to be in a similar way. And yet God is always moving past. That's so inconvenient. <laughs> but God wants to shift us on. But see, whenever we've seen God move in the past, we've seen some incredible things over the centuries where God has done this and birthed that in the Spirit. And then, of course, what man has done is they've taken it and they've bottled it all up back and down to a little box. So it can be contained, it can be controlled, it can be, you know, we can work it out. And it's lost the freshness with what God is doing. And yet, I must admit, I'm exactly the same. And God's had to begin to work on my heart to say, I actually want you to shift and move. Now, I struggle with technology. I mean, the kids will tell you that. They, they, I, they, I ask them, well, how do you do this and that? And I say, oh, give it ear. <laughs> Because it takes me so long to comprehend it. But it is a moving world and we have to move with it. We have to move with what God is doing rather than station stand still. God's always on the move. When the cloud moved, the people moved with God. It was as simple as that. But understanding or perceiving by your spirit man the seasons we travel through helps us to grasp what is ahead and helps us to walk accurately according to what God is doing in our day. You know, King Saul, he chased David. I don't know how many years he chased David, but David was really what God was, who had, God had anointed. The Spirit of God had left Saul and had fallen onto David. And so Saul had to try and kill the current move of what God was doing. But it says in... Um, 1 Chronicles 12.32 The sons of Ishka came over to David because they had an understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Isn't that incredible? You see, David was suddenly an outlaw in the, in, in the, somewhere in the desert and everybody else was too scared of Saul to do anything. And yet various men at various times started to come over to him. 
But the men of Ishka, the, the men who suddenly perceived in their spirit what was going on. And they suddenly said, actually, we want to be accurate. We want to be current. We want to be doing what God is doing. So they left the, the reality of the, or, the, or their comfort zone and they crossed over to where David was. Isn't that incredible? Because they recognized, they discerned what God was doing. They risked everything to do it. Sometimes we've got to risk things to get current with God and leave certain things behind. I know it's not easy. But the house of Saul really represents the old and the house of David represents the new. And the house of Saul grew weaker and the house of David grew stronger. I want to be where God is, amen, and what he's doing. So we've got to be able to see and understand. I mean, how important is it really, understanding the seasons? I mean, is it really that important? Well, in, in Luke 19:41 to 44, Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem when he saw prophetically its destruction of a whole generation would suffer because what? They did not recognize the day of his visitation. That was pretty big. They did not recognize when Jesus was there walking the earth, the people did not discern that God was doing something new. And they missed the opportunity that God had for them. I mean, in the Bible, you know, in the spiritual realm, it's not the same as the natural realm. You know, the first shall be last and last shall be first. You know, if you want to go on, you had to die to yourself in order to live. What's all this about? I mean, Jesus walks past a fig tree and it was out of season for figs and he finds that there's no fruit on that tree and so he curses it. What's going on there? He talks about the fruit, uh, sorry, the, the, the harvest fields are ripe for harvest and yet the, the plants hadn't even started coming up properly yet. And what about, it says in Amos, it says, the ploughman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. Can you imagine sowing your seed and suddenly the ploughman comes past? Or somebody comes out with the, uh, the, the reaping, trying to reap something that's not there? God, this doesn't make sense. In the natural mind, it doesn't make sense. But when you get into the spiritual realm, when you ask Jesus about what is going on here, I need to be able to see and perceive what God is doing. Suddenly things change because your whole perspective has changed. I mean, when you look at Jesus, for instance, he knew what God was calling him to. His sight and his vision was the cross. He knew he had to go through that. But on his journey, he goes to a place and they say, we want to make you king. Now, he could have done that. He could have enjoyed the luxury of being a king. He could have done this, he could have done that. But no, his point was that his vision was on the cross. Why? Because he saw you and me 2,000 years later. So no matter when people called him a liar, people called him a blasphemer, people left him in droves, when people hated him and threw things at him and, and all sorts of things like that, he wasn't worried about it. Why? Because he was focused on what his father was telling him to do. 
And so we need to discern what God is doing in and around our lives. So what is the season God ahead for us as a church? I'm excited in my spirit, aren't you? I'm excited because I'm seeing people start to open up. I'm seeing people start to engage. When Sandra and I first came here, it would have been a year and a half to 19 months ago or whatever it was, you know, I, I knew that there was a battle raging on. You could feel it in the atmosphere because people didn't like change. I know what that's like. I can understand it. But you know, even through that battle, there were people actually wanting to engage, wanting to understand And they had a heart saying, well, I don't really understand it, but I want to know. God can work with that. As you heard with Greg this morning, it's when you say and they take that position of, well, actually, I know everything. That's when you've got a problem. (laughs) But I sense in my spirit, God is changing and working in the deepest parts of our hearts. And you can see the evidence of it, which is absolutely fantastic. I'm just really encouraged, I really am by what I'm seeing and sensing. So I want to bring your focus today. This is something that's been on my spirit for a couple of weeks now. I was reading through a passage in Luke and it was about Simeon. And I want us to turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 25 to 35 because this is a man of of perception who, who recognized and understood the season ahead and embraced it. And this just gripped my spirit. I started to read the story and then something in here started to go off and I knew the Holy Spirit was saying something. Let's just read it, verse 25. That's Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before all the face of the peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And it goes on. It's an incredible story. But if you carry on in that same passage, you meet another elderly lady, a prophetess, Anna. And of course she, if you add up all her years, I reckon is over 100 years old. That's pretty good. <laughs> but you've got these two um, older people Elderly people, that there's something about their spirit that was totally different and against the trend of everything else. Have you ever asked why? I said to the Holy Spirit, why? It suddenly struck me. Everybody else is doing their own things. You've got the Pharisees and whose head knowledge and, not, and all those sort of things and rituals were going on. You've got the people coming and going. You've got ignorance. You've got all sorts of things happening. You've got wars. You've got the Romans invading. You've got all sorts of things going on. And yet there's two people engaging with God to a different level to everybody else. Wow. Why? What happened to the younger generation? What was going on? 
Did you know that the average age back then was really only about 30, 40 if you're lucky? A lot of them died younger. In fact, a lot of children died because they didn't have the medicine that we have today. There were a lot of wars going on. The Romans were pretty brutal. You know, 40 if you're lucky or 50 or 60 maybe. But these two guys have bucked the trend. They were even older than that. You know, they saw and embraced what God was doing in their day and their closeness with God is an amazing example for us today. But I only want to look at one. I've only got time to look at one and that's Simeon. And this is my first point and this is really gripping me. Age is not a barrier. And I want to say that very, very clearly. Age is not a barrier. I just sensed it in my spirit as I was praying through this. Because suddenly, sometimes older people, and I'm talking about 40s onwards, sorry, I know that's old to some people, and all that, but it's true, isn't it? You get to certain ages and you think in your mind, well, you look at the younger people and you think, oh, I couldn't do what they've got. I'm getting on a little bit. Maybe, you know, we'll leave it to them. And then you get the other mentality when you get the younger people looking up and think, oh gosh, I'm too young. God could never use me. So you get all these different mentalities and actually none of them are accurate. And I used to feel that when I was younger. Yes, I was younger <laughs> at one stage. <laughs> But the fact is that I used to feel that. When I first became a Christian, I was about 19, I think it was. And, and I used to get around Christians that were going on fire for God and doing all sorts of things. And they were in their 20s and I thought, oh, I'll never be like that. I, could never, I, hey, I put this barrier up saying, God, I can't do that sort of thing. And yet I've seen the same thing with older people. When you get to my, my age and so forth, people put the same barrier up. I can't do what they do. But age is not a barrier. And I break it down in the spiritual realm because I want people to understand that all God is looking for is for a heart that says, God, I want you. Abraham and um, Moses, what were they? They were in their 80s when God called them. Samuel was a young child when God first called him. I don't know whether he was seven or eight or what it was. David was a young teenager when he experienced God. The disciples, what were they? They were possibly late teens, early 20s, I don't know, somewhere around there. Paul may have been in his 30s. We just don't know, but age is not a barrier. Moses, when, when did he die? 120 or something or other? <laughs> not when did he die, how old was he? But his eyesight never failed. He was as lively and as sprightly at 120 as he was when he was 80. Age is not a barrier. You know, I'm, dare I say it, I'm entering, I suppose, a special year in the sense of my 50th, which I, I, I know, I, I only look about 21. <laughs> but the fact is that I feel younger now in the Lord than I did 10 years ago. Because God is doing something on the inside of me. And man, you can be any age at all. And we can take what God is doing and run with it. And it makes you feel young again. It's funny, I, I put on this shirt at work, uh, one that I got for Christmas. And, and I went to work and uh, um, one of the ladies that I work with, he, she said to me, 
That makes you look 10 years younger. And I thought, oh, that's fantastic. Half an hour later, a younger person came in and they said, oh, my father or my grandfather would wear a shirt like that. (laughs) But age is not a barrier. Can you grasp that? Actually, we need everybody here, the young and the old, to build together. Why? Because we are stronger for it. We need the wisdom, we need the strength, we need the pillars, we need every person here, the young and the old, to stand together as a family. Boy, what a difference it makes. It says, the next thing is that his name gives us a prophetic insight into this man. You know what his name means? It means to hearken. To hearken means to listen or to perceive, to hear or to perceive. You know, I believe this is a year where God is waking up our antennas to be able to hear and discern what he is saying. As I said, you know, uh, in fact I've mentioned in my very first sermon I preached here, it's like having an AM, FM frequency. You can't pick up a FM frequency using an AM radio. God wants us to step up into a different level to be able to discern and to be able to hear what he's saying. And that's the only way you can actually hear and sense this, the, the seasons that we're travelling through is by communing with him. But we need to be able to break through another barrier. Oh, God, God couldn't speak to me. That's another barrier that we've put up. I've done that lots of times. But I've come to know over the years, actually God does want to speak to me. And when he does, boy, it's incredible. He's not some big ogre that I thought he was. In fact, he's a loving father that wants to capture our hearts. And I believe this is going to be a key year for us to be able to tune into him more than ever before. Are your antennas up? Are you listening? There's something special for each and every one of us. The next thing is he was a priest. You know, we've got to come to the realisation of who we are. We are a, a people of kings and priests. And once we understand who we are in God, boy, everything else changes around us. Confidence comes because we're able to stand in who we are. We don't have to compete with this person or that person. Oh gosh, they're doing better than me. So I have to outdo them. I have to do this or that. Or I have to look good. There is none of that. Because God's not after a competition. He's after your hearts. And we, you know, I'm not Greg. Greg's not me and I'm not... Sandra and Sandra's not me. We're all different in the different things. And together the fragrance or the the different jigsaw puzzles fitting together makes something very special. All of us. And not just in this body here, outside of the body as well. How God brings particular people into our lives to enhance it, to build it, to grow it. Do you know who you are in God? The next thing is his character. I love this. He was known as being just and devout. Now these character traits didn't just happen. But over time, as Simeon allowed God to work in him, God's ways became ingrained in him. In fact, it was not just his ways, but God's character being formed and morphed within him. It was a process. And I've said before, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. The word way is process. I am the process for your life. Now, this is really, really big. Because the thing is, 
that we want, how much do we want our character? We want our character changed just like that, don't we? We want it changed very, very quickly. But God's actually working on something far deeper than that. When we allow him to work on our character. You know, when I grew up, the quickest way of actually communicating with someone on the other side of the world was to actually write a letter. Anyone know what that is like? <laughs> write a letter? And then you actually had to put an envelope and put a stamp on it and, and airmail it overseas. Now, of course, we've got Twitter, we've got email, we've got uh, um, Skype, we've got uh, texting on our phones, we've got all sorts of things that within seconds people can you know, communicate, which is fantastic. I like that too. But things have changed. And so we expect the same thing within us where we can just click our fingers and suddenly God changed me and if God hasn't changed me, oh well, give up. But you see, God is working on something far bigger and I'm going to explain it a little bit more later on as we go on. You know why God's working on our character? So that when we go through the difficult times, all sorts of things come to the surface. There'll be all sorts of muck. There'll be all sorts of things that we didn't even realize were there or what we default to. And God actually wants to work on those things in our lives. Some of them aren't very nice. And yet they're there. God knows they're there. So we don't have to hide them. God already knows. But when you go through those things, God wants to help you Work on those things. So that when other days ahead, when you've been working on those things, your response is different. And your response is one of how the kingdom would do it because Christ is in you rather than how the flesh would do it. That's why God's working on your character. And it takes a lifetime. But this man here was known as Justin Devout. That didn't happen overnight. It was the character being outworked within him. Wasn't that incredible? Imagine what you're known for. What do people say about you? <laughs> I mean, God can change people just like that. Yes, that can happen. It happened to Saul. In fact, there's an incredible uh, movie um, that's just come out just recently when love is not enough. About the guy who started the AA, uh, the Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, not the AA transport thing. But anyway, he got to rock bottom. He, he was, he'd been almost dying of alcohol poisoning and there was basically no hope for him. And he was in the hospital bed. This is in the 1940s, I think it was. Uh, and he was crying out to God. He said, God, you're the only person left. He was trying to fight God before. And you know, he said, light filled the room and God changed him radically. From that point on, he never had any more drink. His wife didn't believe him to begin with. Oh, yeah, this is another one of his stories. But there was something different about the man because he'd encountered God. And it changed his life, and of course he went on to help other people. But God can do that, but for most of us, he's actually working on a process in our lives. Next thing, the Holy Spirit rested upon him. Now, Simeon was living in an age when the Holy Spirit hadn't been outpoured. You see, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. But on his days, the Holy Spirit would land upon a person and they would do a mighty act or they would do this or they would prophesy that or something would happen. But this guy, the Holy Spirit rested upon him. Isn't that incredible? 
There was something about him that he lived in the presence of God and so did Anna that was changing his life and morphing his life. Man, and yet we've got the Holy Spirit inside here and we think, well, where is he? You know, uh, you know, and there's no connection. And this man lived before that and he had connection. Man, we become like those we hang around. If we want to become more like him and get to know him, we have to hang around him and engage with him. It's interesting, Dr. Lester Summer once said, he used to spend, he spent quite a bit of time with Smith Wigglesworth. And he said over the time that he was there, I don't know if it was a year or two years or whatever it was, he said very few people came and spent time with him. Now you'd think this mighty man of God that raised people from the dead and people were healed of all sorts of cancers and things like that, that, wow, people would be thronged to stay around him. But you know, they couldn't stand being with him because of the presence of God living inside him. They want to keep kept at an arm's distance. See, they wanted him to perform the miracles, but they didn't want the closeness that he had with God. And it's interesting to know that many Christians want the product but not the source. We want the miracles, we want the revelation, we want the teaching, we want the souls being saved, but do we really want him? Actually knowing him, all those other things come into play, but it's knowing him. And yet I sense in my spirit there's going to be a shift, a great shift, where people are engaging with him and getting to know him. I really, really sense that. It's not about knowing about him, but knowing him from the innermost parts of your being. And I've seen some amazing things happening to some of the people around here. I really have. I mean, look at uh, Debbie when she comes up and gives the, um, uh, the communion. Where did she get that from? It just, just didn't happen. God was working within her. And so many others. You know, I met a, a, a lady in the supermarket uh, the other day, and I've known her off and on for a, a number of years. And she used to have deep furrows in her, her, her forehead here because of worry and fear and anxiety and all sorts of things. She'd had a pretty rough life. And, and some pretty sad things that had happened in there. But this time, on meeting her in the supermarket, you know, her face was different. She was relaxed. She had a peace about her. She had a, a, a smile on her face that came forth because God had healed her of all sorts of different things. She'd encountered God for herself and God had changed her. And now she was on a process and a journey. I mean, she's in her, I don't know, late 50s, going on 60? I don't know. But she was discovering God then in the journey. I thought, wow, that was just so neat to see. Age is not a barrier. The next thing is, because he had the Holy Spirit and he was engaging with the Holy Spirit and walking with him, the next thing was that he was expectant and alert. He could sense what was going on. He could see and he could see what was real and what wasn't. He was able to discern the counterfeit to what was right. And in an age when God moves, Satan will also move with counterfeit things. And we've got to be able to see, well, what is the real season? Or what is God really doing? Is it this or is it that? We have to understand. And you can only do that by getting to know him. And then you just begin to discern what God is saying. 
And you begin to feel it. You know, Sandra Selfson shared with me about the, the monarch butterfly and the process that it goes through. It's an incredible process of pain and, and things like that. But the whole thing changes. Not one bit of that butterfly, sorry, caterpillar remains the same. Even the mouth bit is down here and it hangs by its tail. When it comes out, the mouthpiece is up the top and the tail's down here. It's incredible. Change. Nothing stays the same. And it goes through this painful process and yet, and, and there's a lot more to it than that. I can't go into it. But the fact is, it comes out and it's a beautiful thing. But there's a viceroy, isn't it? The viceroy caterpillar that looks, sorry, um, viceroy butterfly that looks the same as that butterfly. And yet it hasn't been through the same process. It copies it. It copies it. And so we can learn to copy things, but never actually experience it. I can talk about the Christchurch earthquake, but I've never actually experienced it. And so we need to learn to experience God more so that we know. You know, he lived in an age where it was all about intellect and knowledge in some quarters. And others were looking for a natural situation to be able to outwork what God was doing. Sorry, to outwork what they thought God should be doing, shall I say. It was all about the Romans. How do we defeat the Romans? They were looking for someone to set them free. And so the thing is that, I mean, they were looking out like someone like Saul. Remember Saul was taller than everybody else? Ah, now that's the sort of person we want. But when Jesus came along, he didn't fit their little box. They didn't fit the mindsets of the natural mind. And you will never fit, never understand the natural mind if we walk according to what we physically see and feel. And we've got to be able to discern that. And that's, in some ways, that's why the fivefold ministry is so important. And I know I hark on about the fivefold ministry because I see it as a tool that God has given the body to lift it up to a new level. And why is that? Why am I passionate about it? Because I've sat underneath apostolic and prophetic teaching. And it does lift you to a new level. My, my main uh, gifting of my life is a teacher. But when I came under their, under their mantles, if you like, and sat under their anointings, boy, it just changed my life. It lifted me to a new level of understanding. And we need it in the body more than ever before. And I believe God is going to do that in this place. But not just in this place. I mean, some churches won't have all fivefold ministry. But when we connect with other people, you'll see the whole thing lift up to a new level. It's really exciting when you do. So, Simeon was open. Sorry, because of his openness. And closeness with God, he was able to see what others couldn't. You see, he was led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. He was prompted to go into the temple. He was prompted at that time. He could have easily said, oh, well, I'm too tired today. I think I'll have a day off. He could have said, oh, you know, I'm too old to do that. He's, leave it to one of the younger ones. He could have done all sorts of things. Oh, I didn't really hear that. But because of his closeness with his walk with him, he knew when God said go here and go there. He knew what it was to partner with him. And I know in my spirit that God wants us to partner with him and to walk with him in a fresh new way. But it came through an encounter with him. 
I wonder how many excuses have talked us out of when God wants to move through us. I have to, be, have to put my hand up for that one. There have been times when God has spoken to me and I've ignored it. To my shame I say that. But it's true. And there are times when God has spoken and I've moved and I thought, gosh, why didn't I do it last time? You know, we miss the opportunities when we don't tune in to him all the time. This guy was old, but he was still tuned in to see and hear what God was doing. You see, God is outworking his word. He had a word to hold on to, right? God had given him a word that he would see the Lord's Christ. He would see it, and he held on to it. We don't know how long he held that, had that word to hold on to for. And sometimes in our hearts, we give up so easily. When God has given us a promise, when God has spoken to us years beforehand, and then, oh, it's not going to work. Oh, you know, it hasn't worked out like that. And we let go of what God has done. This man walked on a journey to see what was going and what God was fulfilling. Now, what we don't always understand, I want to show you this. It's about working out how our character is formed. I said before that when God shows us something, we want instant connection with that. We want it just to happen and click our fingers and everything's fine. But you know what? When God shows us a word over there or something like that, when we start to walk on that journey towards that thing, there are other things that come into play. And God's timing is really, really important. God's timing is crucial. There might be someone else. There are other people in the picture that we don't even see. There might be another person that would come alongside me to encourage me and build me up and equip me that I need for the journey ahead. There might be another person that would join me on the journey that's actually sandpaper. And I don't like sandpaper, but it's there to, rough, to knock off the rough edges. But God's got them there because he knows that for me to get there, I've got to have the rough edges knocked off. There might be someone else that might try and draw me away from where God's leading me. But God is building in here a strength and in the word and the reading of the word and encountering with him to actually be able to discern, is it this or that? And so he's growing me and maturing me on that journey. Then there might be something else along here, another person on the similar journey that needs encouragement. Then often just before we get to that place where God is changing us or doing something in our lives, often we feel that's the hardest time of breakthrough. And that's often the time we give up. That's the time we often turn back around or we think, oh, we can't do this. And yet it's almost there. But God's working in our character. You see that wrong road of journey in there? Because by the time we get here and God helps us to turn back around again and get here, by the time we're here, we're actually ready for that experience. We weren't back there, but now when we're about to enter what God is doing, our hearts are now positioned accurately. The rough edges have been taken off. Our hearts are ready. And then there's another journey that we've got to take. It doesn't end there. You know what I mean? So God's timing is really, really powerful and important. We don't want to miss it. You know, Hebrews 11.13 says, What frames our world? It says the word of God frames our world. It's not how we feel frames our world. It's not our careers frame our world. It's not any of those things. It's the word of God framing our world. Who's the word of God? The Lord. Amen?
So God is transforming us. And you know what? I sense in my spirit, God is transforming what we speak out of our mouths, the confession of our hearts, so that when we go through the rough times, we have to think for a minute, you know, is God transforming my heart or am I going back to the flesh and how I feel? The flesh is so much easier. <laughs> but what's God doing in our hearts and lives? There is a change happening. And I believe, you know, as we declare and we speak what God has said, now God said this. You know, have you looked at the prophecies? I've only been here just, what, a year and a half or a bit more. But the prophecies that have been spoken in this place are actually very, very powerful. Now, they're not just for a few leaders here or like that. They're actually for you. Have you prayed them through? Have you? Because, man, that lifts your spirit. Boy, I pray over them. Because I think, God, I'm part of that. That's part of my journey. But for me to get to that part, I've got to go through a process. And we're all in the process together. So when we're struggling, actually, there's someone over here to help me. You know, oh, there's someone to lean on. You know, and there's an encouraging word over here. Actually, this person's put me back on track again. You know what I mean? There's all of us on the journey, and I'm here to encourage them too. It's not all one way. The process is together. Let's be a part of that. God wants to break that barrier. Okay, there's um, the revelation. Revelation for the season ahead. Revelation comes from having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And what's more, the Holy Spirit, our teacher and guide, wants to reveal things to you. And that is so powerful. God wants to reveal things to you. I didn't think he could reveal things to me, but I got a shock when he started to. But boy, did it open up my eyes. It made me see this that I'd never seen before. And I'm realizing more and more there's so much more to see. So much more. I wonder what words the Lord's going to give you this year. I wonder what pictures the Lord's going to lay on your heart for you to see this year. I wonder what words of knowledge He's going to give you to encourage somebody else. I wonder what pictures. Have you ever thought about that? God wants to speak to you about your heart and your life. It will transform you. And God wants to break that barrier. God can't speak to me. He can speak to everyone else. No, it's another barrier that he wants to break down. Now there's one little word that we often overlook. And it says this, that uh, it says a very sentence, Simeon knew God as his, oh, he, was, he wouldn't die until he saw the Lord's Christ. The word Lord. You know, many Christians know Jesus as their saviour, but not as their Lord. This guy knew God as his Lord. Can we come under his dominion? Can we come under his authority to allow him to change and shape our hearts? I wonder. I want that. I want his lordship in my life more than anything else. So here he is. He's led by the Spirit into the courtyard. And what did he see? Now, when you go into the courtyard, what do you see? There's people moving around all the place like that. There's noise of animals going here, there and everywhere. There's uh, people singing. There's all sorts of things going on. And, and there's, you know, there's a lot of different things. But in the spirit, he sees what God is doing. He suddenly sees the Christ, the Messiah. 
You see, long before he saw it in the natural, he saw it in the spiritual. And God is wanting to shift our hearts and our lives to be able to see in the spirit first before we see it in the natural. And when we see it in the, you know, declaring those things that are not, that do not exist as though they are. There's a different level of being able to see God actually showed me something. But in the natural, it doesn't look right. It doesn't seem to fit the season. Jesus, the small child, didn't fit the season that they were in. It was the wrong timing, God. But God doesn't have wrong timing. It was just the people didn't see it. But this man comes into the courtyard, being led by the Spirit of God, and sees that child coming forth. And he instantly recognized it as the Messiah, the Lord God. No one else did, apart from Anna who comes in. Wow, what a change. And I believe we were going to become a people of prophetic sight for this year. Being able to tune in and see what God is showing us. Now this is amazing. And I'm almost there. He picked up the child and he embraced him. Isn't it beautiful? He picked up the Messiah and embraced this child in his arms. What he did really was he embraced the new and he held him there. It was a defining moment between the old and the new. Simeon, being from the old move, was willing to embrace the new move of what God was doing and transitioned over. And he wanted to. This is amazing. And we need to honour those of the past moves of God. We need to honour them. We also need to be able to transition over. And something that really is aching in my heart more than anything is that God wants fathers in the house that are willing to transition over to help the younger generation come through. I want to be a person that is prepared to lift younger ones up and over and lift them up to a new level so that they don't have to go what I went through, but that they can start at a new level up here because I fought for that. I've broken new ground for them to start up here, not start way back down there. And I want to lift you guys up to it and give you an inheritance Well, God's given you the inheritance, but you've got something there, a legacy to stand on. But God needs fathers to transition over. I've seen, um, you know, his life, for instance, became a stepping stone or, if you like, a bridge for the younger generation to cross over, not a barrier. And sometimes, you know, when we get to, you know, when we get older, if you like, we can put up barriers. Say, so actually, that's, that's as far as I'm going. And it becomes a barrier to the next generation wanting to press on through, who get discouraged. But what happens when a father goes forward and embraces the new, the younger generation sees it and thinks, well, it's safe to do so. They want a journey on that. And it becomes exciting for them. I've seen some older men in the Lord who have had wonderful ministries transfer over and they've embraced the new of what God has been doing man has radically changed their lives and they've become become fathers to new generations I want that I want that more than anything else God's heart is generational and it's not confined to this generation only it's bigger than that again I have to come back to it age is not a barrier Anyway, I want to finish with this. And this is my prayer for you. 
when he embraced the child, what did he see? What did he see? He saw the Lord Jesus. He encountered him. He embraced him. You know, out of that long journey that he went through, he embraced the Lord. You know, my heart's cry is for us to embrace God personally. More than anything else I've said tonight, are we prepared to embrace him? Because otherwise, none of that will fall into place at all. But when we embrace him, our lives change. It doesn't matter how young or old you are. I remember hearing a 91-year-old man give his testimony about how he came to know the Lord at 90. What an incredible journey. I mean, what an incredible testimony that was. God took him fairly soon after that. It doesn't matter how young or old it is. The fact is, are you prepared to embrace him? When everybody else was so busy doing this and doing that, People were trying to do all sorts of different things and think about the Romans and this and that and all sorts of things. And you can be busy. There can be all sorts of things happening around you. But this man embraced the Lord. And that's my heart cry for you tonight. Let's stand. Father, I thank you that Lord Simeon's cry was, My eyes have seen the Lord. And Father, I pray tonight that more than anything, our eyes would see you. It's not about how much we know about you, it's actually seeing you and encountering you and and enjoying and embracing you. And I pray, Father, for the barriers that I've said tonight that they would be knocked out in the spiritual realm over this place. That, Father, there would be an embracing of you and and putting aside those things that we have as excuses. That, Lord, we would embrace you, Father. Lord, we love you with all our heart. And we want more of you. And we know the journey ahead is not going to be an easy road. Because we know, Lord, that as we journey and as we travel, as you form and shape us, as you work on certain areas of our lives, it can be painful. But, Lord, we're all going through this together. Because, Lord, it's forming you in us. And we want more of you and less of us. We want you, Heavenly Father, come and work afresh in our hearts and lives. That we would not abandon the process but we would embrace you and walk with you every step of the way Lord fill us Father